What's Your Opinion show do not necessarily represent those of the management and staff of WTCA. It's the What's Your Opinion show, our daily talk show focusing on you, the people, events, and issues of Marshall County. Now here's your hosts, Kathy Bodorf and Rusty Nixon. Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Guess what day it is? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Huh? Huh? Anybody? Listen, guess what day it is? <laughs> oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Huh? Guess what today is? Huh? Hey, hey, listen, guess what today is? <laughs> Guess what day it is? Hey, what day is it, Mike? Mike, 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 Mike. Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is? It's hump day. Hump day. Hump, hump, hump day. Hump, 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 hump day. <laughs> Julie, get excited. It's Wednesday. Yes, it is. Wednesday, January the 11th. A beautiful day outside today. It is. Well, especially for January the 11th, I, I think it is. 38 degrees, you know. It was kind of sprinkling when I came in. Well, that was hours ago. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Things have changed since it, then, Rusty. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess you're yeah, right. It, definitely. It has been more than 30 seconds. Yes, That's... definitely. It, it is northern Indiana. Things yeah. change fast. But yeah. yeah, not a bad day out there for mid-January. All right. I'll take it. Every day I'll take it like this. Okay. So, yeah. So, we are going to have a guest on the studio with us this morning. Uh, Marsh County Prosecuting Attorney Nelson Chipman is going to be with us. We have a couple of different things we're going to chit-chat about. One of them is um, he actually went to Georgia for the second round of voting down there and was, I believe, like a poll watcher. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to talk a little bit about that experience that he had down there and what it was like. Um, but I wanted to bring him in, and we've been trying to get our schedules worked together. I wanted to bring him in to talk about the Fourth Amendment because in November, County Councilman Jesse Bohannon voted against the sheriff applying for a CHIRP grant, which is really um, a, a, a grant that law, of, law enforcement agencies can apply for that does extra patrols. And so it, it can be like the drunk driving or the seatbelt patrols. And the state funds money for those grants. And so he wanted to apply for that. Well, the, the motion passed six to one with Bohannon being the lone no vote. And after the meeting, he said to me um, that uh, he did not believe, he thought that checkpoints are a violation 
of the Fourth Amendment. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then kind of connected to that, too, also is that there are people who believe that those license plate cameras that are out there, not just here in Marshall County, but all over the place anymore, are also a violation of your Fourth Amendment. So we're going to talk about that today, I'm okay. sure. And I thought it would be interesting um, to, see, you know, to get, kind of get maybe people's opinions on that. So we'll open up the phone lines and you can call and tell us what you think at 574-936-4096. Uh, so, always the number. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to see Charlotte's Web. Can you look at those tickets and tell me? I think that is coming up on, I want to say the 22nd. But yep, okay. 22nd at 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon, the 22nd at 2 o'clock. Two tickets to see Charlotte's Web at the Reese in downtown Plymouth. And we're going to give away a Hoosier Racing Tire hat because Hoosier Racing Tire is hiring. And they're looking for quality employees. So you don't have to have experience. You just have to want to come to work and be able to pass a drug test and show up on time yeah. every day. Exactly. Pretty simple. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about some local news. Um, and, the, and the big story I want to talk about um, is the Plymouth Police Department. Uh, Monday evening, Chief Dave Bacon brought forward some personnel matters that he has at the police department. Basically, he announced that another officer, Chad Beatty, is, has resigned from the Plymouth Police Department. He has transferred to the South Bend Police Department. Then, and Chad Beatty next month would have seven years on with the Plymouth Police right. Department. Then, in the next breath, he announced the retirement of Joe Dyche. And Joe Dyche has been with the Plymouth Police Department for 27 yeah. and a half years. It's been there a while. That is unbelievable. And while he is retiring from the police department, he is actually transferring to another department within the city of Plymouth. So, he'll still be around. But. Sure. Um, and so... Um, you know, he had a lot of kudos to say about Joe. Um, he actually said that, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he actually said that he thought Joe was one of those guys who would do the job for free. And he really and he really did mean that. Um, he says, you know, at the end of the year, employees don't get compensated for the vacation days that they don't use or the uh, personal time that they don't use. And so... Joe turned in more than a week of benefit time that he was not even compensated for. Most other people will take those days off and, you know, leave this leave the department short-staffed. Uh, Joe Dyche had actually planned to retire mid-year last year, but stayed on to help the department during their shortfall uh, of staff members. So, I mean, he's been a team player all the way around. The police chief went on then to talk a little bit about, you know, what he is facing um, and the and what they what the city is actually competing against. Um, and so going to South Bend, it's it looks as if uh, new hires up there are getting a ten thousand dollar sign on bonus. 
there's also a recruiting bonus. So let's say an officer comes from Plymouth, goes up there and, you know, transfers up there because, and then he's going to get this $10,000 sign-on bonus. Now I know it doesn't all come at one shot, but it comes over time. But there's also a recruiting bonus. So he has the opportunity then to find another officer maybe in his department where he was and bring them up and get another bonus for bringing up, you know, another officer or two. Um, the chief also said that overtime in South Bend is paid double time. In Plymouth, overtime is paid at time and a half. Yeah. So there's a big difference there. Um, he talked about their take-home cars. Up in South Bend, they have take-home cars that even if they live in Plymouth, they have unlimited use of their take-home cars. So they can you know, drive their car home and they can go take it to the grocery or drop the dog off at the vet or whatever if they need to. Um, Plymouth's current policy uh, allows officers a take-home vehicle for use to and from work only. So there's really not a big benefit there. And uh, the chief said he would like to see that expanded, um, you know, and there was a question like, do, well, do you want to see it expanded maybe to, uh, you know, Marshall County and the surrounding counties or what? And he said, he wasn't. He didn't know exactly what, but the, the, they have to be competitive. Yeah. He also explained that tier one graduates, those are <laughs> certified officers that basically are working for cities, towns, and counties all, already. They are in very high demand. And that South Bend is the driving force right now in this area. Um, you know, uh, he. I believe he said they had something like 200 and 20 officers but they normally run 250 and so they were trying to get back up what they wanted to be at full staff at 250 mm -hmm. so that's why they've been doing all this recruiting and trying to get you know more officers um and this is not just here in marshall county it's not just in indiana it is across the nation uh, the chief said there's a smaller pool of applicants anymore. And for the most part, most of them do not have law enforcement experience. So even if you can find someone that is interested, you're going to lose them for six to eight weeks while they go to training. And, and you can hire them, but they have no experience. So you're going to do ride-alongs until they go to the academy and get trained and, and then they got to come back and finish out their ride-along training with you before they can actually hit the road on their own. So um, it's it's a struggle. And he actually said next year it looks like it'll be worse. So right now they're down six officers. That's but next lot. yeah, and next year, including the chief who has already put in for his retirement. There are six other officers that have 20 years in, and one of those officers have already put in their retirement. He's going to be announcing another retirement at the next city meeting. There are also four additional officers with over 15 years of service. And, he, you know, it's hard to say, but he says we have an old department, yeah. unfortunately. 
And so he suggested the city begin the process of looking at the banded fit package and seeing if they can make some adjustments to make them a little more competitive. Um, it was kind of interesting when Dave, Dave said when he became a police officer, when he applied in 1990, he didn't even ask how much money he was going to make. He just wanted to be a police officer. And that's really, that's all that mattered. He says nowadays, just an applicant will ask, well, what's the pay? What's the take-home vehicle policy? What are the other benefits? So, I mean, they want to know that right up front, even before they have been offered a position, they want to know that kind of stuff. And so... Uh, City Councilman Jeff Huyen suggested creating a small committee uh, that would include the HR director, the city attorney, a couple of council members that could actually sit down and strategize a benefit package for this Plymouth Police Department. So Councilman Don Eckert uh, is going to sit on that. He actually, he and Bill Walters, who is a Board of Works member, actually sat on the salary committee. Uh, with Councilman Gary Cook when he was on the city council, when we raised the salaries for police or for firefighters and then came back and raised salaries for police officers. Um, and so um, both Don Ecker and Bill Walters agreed to be on that. And then Councilman Dwayne Culp also agreed to be on that committee. So they're going to start meeting and seeing, you know, what they can come up with. But it, I mean, it it's hard to compete. Yeah. Against that kind of stuff. You know, it, it, taking your time and a half and making it double time, that is a dramatic increase yeah. in the budget. Um, and, and we didn't even mention that their pay is, their their starting pay is even higher in South Bend than our starting pay is. Much higher. So, you know, it all the way around, we're like on the low end of the totem pole. Right. Um, and unfortunately, towns like Culver and Bourbon are even on the lower end of the totem pole. So it's making right. it very difficult for them, too. Well, you've got, you got more uh, danger in South you, too, uh, so you, you I totally agree with you. Um, you know, we know, we see it in the news every day. You know, there's a shooting up there, and there there's a lot more gang activity, drug activity, uh, you know, just craziness that happens up there compared to our community. But uh, I don't know. It's when you kind of when you put it all together, it's like, hello, do you realize the impact this has on my bottom line? Yeah. I, you know, I knew becoming a police officer was a dangerous job and they're willing to pay me for that dangerous yeah. job. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, So I, I did another story just basically for some clarification, but I did get a, a, a notice from Ty Adley, the county plan director, who's been working on this. The January 20th joint meeting of the U.S. 30 and 31 coalition has been canceled because the engineering team and INDOT are unable to attend that meeting. So in exchange, they are, the U.S. 30 and U.S. 31 coalition 
are going to meet for a joint meeting, just the coalitions themselves, this Friday at 1 o'clock in the second floor meeting room of the county building. So basically what they're going to be doing is reviewing the proposed intersection changes and then identifying their top priorities for both US 30 and US 31 individually. So looking at each road and trying to determine where we're going to have to cul-de-sac county roads at the end so they can't cross over 30 or 31, where we're going to want bridges that will bridge us over to get to the other side of the highway, and where we are going to want some kind of an interchange. I will tell you, I did look at the map. Actually, I think I have it up in here. Yes, I, I'm concerned already because I'm looking out at Jellystone. So I'm looking at US 30 and I'm seeing a bridge, a proposed bridge over, um, it's kind of hard to, um, I, it, it's so hard to tell, but I, I believe there's a bridge over, um, Oak Drive. Then there's a bridge over the railroad track there to the west between Walmart and Pioneer Seed. Okay, you know that yeah. bridge that go that or that highway that go or the ro railroad that goes there. There's a bridge over that railroad track, and then there's a bridge over uh, Pine Road or Pioneer Drive. Right, and the cul-de-sac the is further to the west of that. So I'm not I'm I'm really surprised that they. At, especially at Pioneer, that they don't have some kind of an access there. Especially yeah. because the State Highway Garage is located there. Right. Then you go further out and on, it would be like where Lincoln Highway crosses over to go onto Queen Road. Yeah. There is a bridge there. Okay. Then they cul-de-sac the next couple of roads. And, and it, it goes way down, and I can't tell you because the map is too small and it doesn't give the names of the roads, but they go way down. I know there's an interchange at the county line, and you come back one road, and there's an interchange there. I want to know how I'm going to get to Jellystone. For me, I can get, I could get over the bridge because I would take Lincoln Highway. I would go over the bridge to go on to Queen Road, and then I'd take, the Plymouth LaPorte Trail and go back that way. But somebody coming in from the Chicago community, you can't get on that bridge and the road is cul-de-sac there. So I'm not sure how they anticipate those people. They're going to have to get off a couple of miles, it looks like, before, before Jellystone, west of Jellystone, and then take county roads somehow to get back up to Jellystone or something. So, yeah. yeah, I was really interested in that map. I I, I didn't think it... I, I have some concern there. I right. thought that we would have some kind of an interchange at Queen Road. So, anyway, the meeting is open to the public, but it is a committee meeting. So, there's not... I don't think there's going to be, like, a lot of questions and answers. It's the committee is actually meeting to make their preferences known. Uh, after that happens, then they are going to present their information to the county commissioners um, at their February 6th meeting. 
And then after that has been done, then their information will be presented to the engineering team and to NDOT on what we would like to see here in Marshall County for US 30 and US 31. So it'll be interesting. I, the, uh, unfortunately, the map they sent is really small, does not have only the state road names on it. So it for me, it's like, uh, I, I don't exactly know where they are, or right. what it is. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah. yeah, so just some information there for folks that, you know, somebody that's interested, uh, lives in that area or has property or a business there and wants to know, you're welcome to come to the meeting, but there really isn't a lot of uh, going to be question and answers, I don't think, for right. you. Um, last week, members of the Marsh County Park and Recreation Board kind of got a shock when they got the estimate from USI for the proposed canoe kayak launch that they are, are interested in putting in at the King Road Bridge. And this is kind of like a good location. That bridge was just updated, so there's already some gravelly stuff there and, and the bridge is in good shape. It's all been cleared out, brushed and all of that kind of stuff. Um, initially last month, Terry Borgren brought together two different drawings and plans. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the committee liked the bigger plan that actually had, uh, places for multiple vehicles to be able to park off the road. They actually had multiple vehicle parking for, uh, maybe a car or a truck that had a trailer that had the kayaks or canoes on it too. Um, and then there's, you know, nice access down to the river. And then there was like an in-water launch area. Well, the estimate came back for the construction at $440,000. And the total price tag, which includes the acquisition of land and the engineering and all of that stuff is at $576,000. And Terry Bergren says it's about 10 times higher than he was hoping for. And basically he quotes way out of reach. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's like some of the items, like they, they need 53 limestone, $87,000 worth of 53 limestone is what they estimated. $4,000 of prairie seed mix and $2,000 for a bench. So obviously, it's the Taj Mahal of kayak launches. $2,000 for a bench? Yeah. Are you sure that these people don't work for the Pentagon? <laughs> Not sure. That's kind um, of amazing. And of course, your soft costs are determined by a percentage of the total cost of the project. Yeah. So, <coughs> ready? Yeah. You see the cough drops over there by your You head? want one? Yeah, throw one of those this way. Can you catch it? I'll try. Uh, I'm going to hand it to you. Because <laughs> my arm isn't what it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, it's like, we can't do this. I mean, this is just outrageous. There's no way. And so there was talk about, you know, let, let's look at some other options here. I mean, we don't want to give up on the project. We want to do something. And so um, Terry said that he had actually talked with a representative from Stark County where they're putting in 
some kayak and canoe launches, and he thought theirs were uh, about $50,000 each, which was in the ballpark where Terry was thinking, you know, we could do that. So he, there's going to get a contact with Stark County, find out who's doing the design work there and, and, you know, how they're doing it to get it that low. Then there was some discussion about trying to, you know, get hooked up with Jason Peters from the County Highway Department. And let's see if the County Highway Department can help us do some of this. I mean, they've got gravel out there. They've got tons of millings. I mean, millings yeah. upon millings out there. Instead of putting down 53 limestone, let's put down millings instead. And so, but the park board was like, we probably have to have the commissioner's, you know, blessing yeah. to have the highway department come work on a project for us. And so they're working it out. They're, they are going to have Jason, they're going to ask Jason to come look at the pro, look at the area and see if he could come up with some simpler solutions and then talk with Stark County, find out what they're doing, and see if there's some way, obviously, to get a, la a launch and an X in and out there. And basically, part of that is because Bremen has that brand new launch that they put in. Yeah. And there's no real access to get out until you get to the park in the city of Plymouth. Right. Um, and so that's a long haul. And so this would be a nice kind of midway point if you were putting in at Bremen to be able to get out. So while they're disappointed totally in the cost of the project, they're, they're they haven't given up on the project yet. Right. They're, they're going to, they're going to keep working on it just to see if they can come up with something that it, it may just be a wide shoulder on the edge of the road where you can get a car to parked. Instead of a parking lot. And, right. you know, there might not be this grand steps and decking down to the river's edge. It may be a path that's graveled or, you know, with millings or something like that. So we'll see what happens. But that was a hefty price tag. Oh, and yeah. It's a lot of money. In fact, Terry Morgan said in the meeting, I had my uh, stress test yesterday. And I did just fine. I passed it. And then I opened the email from USI. Yeah. And was very happy that I had my stress test yeah. and passed it the day before. I knew that I was going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure. Um, on Sunday, uh, Marsh County Dispatch Center received a 911 call of an unwanted guest in the 800 block of Jackson Street. This happened Sunday evening about 730 uh, city officers uh, went to the scene. They were advised that a male had kicked in the front door. Um, they did locate 27-year-old Ron uh, Juan Terones, T-E-R-R-O-N-E-S. Terones, I believe. Terones, Jr. of Plymouth, who has an address in the 800 block of West Jefferson St Jackson Street. So I don't know if he was at his house or not because he didn't give me an exact address, but right there. He was taken into custody after a brief uh, investigation, uh, taken out to the jail and booked in for residential entry. That is a level six felony. Also disorderly conduct as a class B misdemeanor and held on a $1,500 cash bond. So, you know, if, if you get angry with somebody, just don't kick the door in. Yeah, just knock. Probably, Be probably the obnoxious either. person and knock at least, you know, just over and over. 
Yeah, you're... Don't... You're not in a Hollywood movie where you just kick the door in. Exactly. Yeah, you can't do that in real life. Exactly. The Indiana Department of Education on Monday announced that 48 different school districts and charter schools across Indiana uh, have received nearly $2.2 million in STEM integration grant funding. Um, local, we, we have two schools in the area that receive funding. Um, those are John Glenn School Corporation in the amount of $48,638 and the Union North United School Corporation for $50,000. And so um, they the, a lot of these school districts um, are using this funding to continue to um, accelerate their STEM programs that they already have in place um, and to keep them STEM certified. So, um, you know, I was kind of shocked that, and I don't know, maybe Plymouth and some of the other corporations did not apply uh, for a grant, but I, I did include on the website all of the schools and listing of their grants and the amounts. I mean, you know, some got bigger ones, some got smaller ones, but uh, STEM is very important in this yeah. day and age. And so, um, you know, the more we can do to help kids and educate kids, the better off we're going to be. I would agree with you. Um, also received a, basically a, a small press release from John Grillick, who announced uh, last week that he is running, actually went and filed to run for mayor of the city of Plymouth on the Republican ticket. Uh, released a little bit of information about himself, his commitment. Uh, um, he has been a dedicated servant to the city of Plymouth and Marshall County for a number of years. Um, you know, 25 years as a paramedic with the Plymouth Fire Department. Actually, he was one of the beginners um, when we were just the EMTs. And um, he actually worked to move our ambulance service from a basic life support to an advanced life level and then on to the paramedic level. Um, and that took a ton of education and collaboration and cooperation, um, you know, especially with the city administration and the state of Indiana. So um, he's worked there, uh, spent nearly 16 years as the elected coroner and was five years as a deputy coroner here, uh, has had several awards. Uh, in fact, last year he was Indiana's outstanding coroner. So, um, you know, he didn't even go on to put, like, he is, uh, he's uh, been on the state fire board or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's a district five president of the fire territories or fire departments or whatever. So, I mean, he has been serving the citizens of Marshall County for years and years and believes that he is a true proven leader uh, that can carry the city forward for the next four years. So uh, you can read additional information about John on our website at am1050.com. Also want to let folks know that tomorrow evening, the Marshall County Council will be conducting its first meeting of 2023. And it is a evening meeting. Their meetings this year will be evening meetings at 6 p.m., 
on the second Thursday of every month. They meet in the second floor meeting room of the county building. So this will be a big change for everyone. And in fact, you know, typically we have the security guard typically comes up and sits in at part of that meeting just to make sure everything is right. And I happened to run into him this weekend and I said, hey, I won't see you tomorrow. And I'm guessing I won't see you Thursday night either. And he goes, nope, you won't. (laughs) So, I mean, there'll be no security there, um, which leaves that building open. And everybody is on the second floor and there's nobody on the first floor to know what's happening and going on. Yeah. I mean, there's not even a security camera up there for somebody you know, at the council table to see who's coming in or going out. So, I don't know. It's going to be real interesting. Yeah. And they have a lengthy agenda. So, I'm hoping to be out of there before 9 o'clock, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, the first order of business, obviously, is going to be the reorganization of the board. So, that'll be, you know, new officers. Then they'll have to go over the liaison's uh, assignments. Those are all going to change because we got four new council members. So that's all each. We're going to have to go through all that one by one. And then the appointments to various boards are going to be all jacked up and changed too because we don't have a lot of the coming back ones. So then we finally get into the agenda where Marshall County Superior Court 3 Judge Matt Sarber is going to be there. Um, He is seeking approval of a $5,000 stipend for the drug court coordinator through community corrections. Uh, This stipend was discussed back in the budget process last year in August and October. Uh, But when they got to the salary ordinance, it was removed out of the salary ordinance. Unbeknownst to the judge that it was removed. So in December, he came to them and said, you know, what's up? I, I thought that. I thought we explained this and we're good to go and now it's not there. And so they basically said that they thought he needed to go through the proper channels and actually modify the job description for the drug court coordinator and might possibly then move that position into a higher paying job classification. And he said, well, I was trying to save you money that, yeah. You know, I just wanted to do this 5000 which they had gotten approval from the state to give that 5000 through community corrections. But so the council decided not to act on it at their December meeting and left it up for the new council to look at. So that will be one of the first things that they look at. Council is also going to hear a request from the health department to apply for a vaccination insurance reimbursement grant. And then Jason Peters from the Highway Department is going to discuss the 2023 Community Crossing projects, the additional adjacent paving projects that he wants to do, and the local bridge preservation projects. Uh, Lisa Letzinger, that should be a familiar name to you. She used to be with the Health Department. She is now head of the WIC, Women, Uh Infants, and Children's Program here in Marshall County. She's going to be bringing an update for the uh, WIC grant to the council to look at. And then Don Nunemaker, who is just a local citizen, wants to discuss a surplus tax study. So I'm guessing that might have to do with the jail quarter of a percent special local income tax, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Marsh County Sheriff Matt Hassel is going to present the 2023 commissary budget 
and Greg Hildebrand and Adam Theta from the Marsh County Park Department uh, are going to seek approval to apply for a community foundation grant. Also on the agenda are additional appropriations and transfers for 2022 and 2023. Uh, and there is the First Amendment to the 23 salary ordinance. Who knows what that's going to be? And a resolution on the local income tax special purpose tax. So I don't know what that is either. I haven't right. seen that resolution yet. The county council meetings are open to the public. Comments and questions are welcome at the beginning of the meeting, at the end of the meeting. Um, you can also watch that meeting online by going to the county's website at www.co.marshall.in.us. And then you scroll down just a little bit on the right-hand side. There's a little link that says Watch Meetings Live. You click that link. It'll take you right to the meeting. You can watch it live. You can, It'll also take a, um, takes you there and... Once the meeting is over with, it, the meeting is archived there. So you can go back and watch that meeting at your convenience at another time, which is really, really nice. So yeah. uh, just an opportunity. So that's what I'll be doing tomorrow evening. Very good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's take our first break. And we have a guest in the studio that yes. we're going to be chatting with this morning. And we have a prize. Okay. Uh, a Charlotte's Web. Yep. It's coming up the 22nd, 2 p.m. I got two tickets here. Also got a camouflage Hoosier Racing Tire hat. So if you are caller number three at 574-936-4096, 574-936-4096, caller number three, going to walk away with that prize package. So start dialing. Looking for bigger internet speeds at a better value? Surf Fiber has Plymouth covered. Go big with Surf and you'll get reliable, fiber-fast internet up to 25 times faster than cable. With Surf, there are no contracts or hidden fees, and you get a low locked-in price that will never go up. Want to speed things up even more? Go gig and get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers. It's the best deal of the year. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts no hidden fees and no taxes what we say is what you pay apex waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable friendly service call apex waste at 574-896-APEX that's 574-896-2739 or visit us online at apexwaste.net I've always gotten tons of UTIs. Cranberry products never worked for me, and I was desperate for a way to be proactive. I'm Jenna Ryan, CEO and founder of Eucora. We've worked with doctors to develop effective urinary tract health products. Just mix a packet of Eucora with water and drink it when you need support, like right after intimacy. Eucora is helping over 100,000 women stay healthy. Ready to join them? Get 30% off at eucora.com radio. That's U-Q-O-R-A.com radio. I taught for 20 years until I started forgetting my lectures. Eventually, he had to quit. Getting his early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard, but it gave us time to take control of the situation together. I can't imagine going through this without him. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. 
A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Get your cell phone out and dial 574-936-4096 or text 574-307-6647 and be part of the show. Now let's get back to what's your opinion on WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. Lori. She's a winner. We got a winner. All righty. You're going to be watching Charlotte's Web. Very good. Yep. And, and make sure you wear your camo your tire hat when you go see Charlotte's Web. It's kind of a fashion statement, I think. Well, it kind of kind of would work for the movie. Oh yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah you Got to blend in with the animals. So very good. Yeah, we have a guest with us in the studio this morning. We have Marshall County Prosecutor Nelson Chipman with us. Good morning, Nelson. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm real good. Good. So we've been talking for a while and um, trying to make our schedules work to get you in. There are a couple of things that we want to talk about this morning. Um, and the one came up because of a comment and a, and a quote that I got from a county council member. Um, and so that kind of led into a second subject. But... I also got wind from someone that you actually were in Georgia when they had to hold that second election down there. Yes. And so tell us a little bit what that what you did and, and how that all came about. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm a member of an organization uh, called uh, Republican National Lawyers Association, have been for a number of years. Um, in 2008, the uh, national election of 2008, they, they sent out a, a call. This would have been Obama um, election. They sent out a call for uh, precinct watchers in, in uh, what they considered to be what the Republican National Republican Committee considered to be uh, troublesome areas, maybe. Um, to, at least to watch, and um, I signed up for that. I volunteered for that. <clears throat> yeah. They gave me a choice. Back then, they gave me a choice of either going to Las Vegas or uh, Gary, Indiana. Oh. But uh, <laughs> at that time, you, you were paying your own way, so I picked Gary. Gary. <laughs> and, and that was quite an experience. But it, I reached out this, this time, um, particularly with the runoff election to the organization I said and, and asked if they were uh, considering something similar or at least for the tabulation centers and they were this time though they they uh, sent me they paid for an airline a hotel Wow okay. a rental car uh, assigned me to um, Katawa uh, County which is southeast, southwest of Atlanta. Um, it's considered inside the Atlanta municipal uh, metropolitan area. Okay. Um, but they sent me there. Uh, I was by myself, 
And it turned out, I should have done more research on it, but it turned out it was a solid Republican area. And in the November election, this is all about Herschel Walker versus Warlock. Right. And um, they, they, it was just a solid Republican. In the, in the, in the November election, the, the vote count was basically two to one in favor of Herschel Walker. Um, in the runoff election, it, the, the total was two to one in favor of Herschel Walker. There was no shenanigans going on, but... It, but I was there to make sure there wasn't. So but, how do you determine if there are shenanigans? I mean, do you, are you like watching people and... We had training. Are they coming back in, you know, dressed as somebody else? Or? Well, I was at the tabulation center. Okay. So I was no longer at the precinct level. And uh, it was all about uh, absentee ballots and then, and then the uh, memory cards that were coming in from all the outlying areas okay. that would then the computer would recognize. In fact, on election day, it, you could see that it was like three to one in favor of Herschel Walker. Ultimately, the numbers just balanced out for that particular county is mm -hmm. two to one. It was a county of about 150,000. Um, so I learned a lot. I was not well received. <laughs> even they don't though, like even watchers? They, even, though, even though we were on the same side, basically. Yeah, rip. Um, I, the, the impression I got was, at least from the, the head person, was that there was resentment that an outsider, maybe even from the north, was coming to watch over their shoulder. And, and I did not want to give that impression at all, but it was a long day. Um, I mean, I asked for a chair, for example. Wouldn't even supply me a chair. I had to sit on a five-gallon uh, paint bucket. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my heavens! Yeah, there's some some things about that that, that experience that. But wow, it, <clears throat> that, that's. But there's so, no shenanigans. I mean, you know, you could you could tell they they have there's a specific. We had this training for under Georgia law, of of how they open up absentee ballots, um, how they open up the uh, the mailings what they do with them then, and then they're processed into a scanner. Uh, at this point, um, you know, it's just that one race. So I, yeah. In November, I imagine it's a nightmare. Because Crazy, of the, yeah. Because of the, the ballot would be much longer. So now I, I think here, I, you know, I, now I've only seen when we get to the county, the pre, so they're checking to make sure all the the – uh, mail-in ballots are here and we have the right amount but we don't know who they are or they haven't opened them yet just that i've seen them count those yeah um and then on election morning they have the board that comes in and they open them and do they compare do they like compare the signatures to make sure it looks like the the right person filled out the form they they compare the information I, I, whether they were comparing actual signatures, I could not. I could not tell. But they they actually compare the information, and for a lot of those, uh, they've already done that. They've compared the information, and they said, "Okay, this absentee can be opened on." Okay, ahead. Uh, yeah, runoff, they... runoff day. Um, because there's a fair amount of people that were coming to that location to vote, and they said we quit voting here on Friday. Oh. 
And all you can do here is hand us your absentee ballot, or we can tell you where in the county you need to go to vote. To vote. Uh, there's a lot of um, mis- misunderstanding about that, mm-hmm. but they were clearly wanted to vote, and they were getting on their way to go vote one way or the other. You know, this on election night, I was getting ready to go into the county building, and uh, a couple other media people were there, and a couple other people were there. And so, you know, the doors are locked, so we had to get permission to get in until after 6 p.m. Yeah. And so uh, we called to get somebody to come to the door, and then at the door, we found there were people there to vote. And so we told them, no, you can't vote here. you got to go. Yeah. Go like similar, down here Very to vote. similar. You know, it's like, why would you come to the courthouse on election day? We don't have voting at the courthouse on election day. But So the reason why they have a runoff in Georgia uh, is because they require, at least for that particular race, the Senate race, they require 50% plus one. So if there's three people, they're not going to get 50% generally. Mm -hmm. So they always gear up for a runoff between two people so that then it then it becomes 50 percent or more but you were you were looked down upon as i i think as an it outsider was, but it was only from the head honcho really yeah i was very friendly with everybody else they they felt bad and uh the head honcho had an iron fist on whether or not they're gonna give me a chair to sit in so, where did you find the paint bucket? I mean, did somebody? Oh, it, it was uh, that particular room, and and in fact, it was similar to this because it had a big picture window, and behind the the window, like where you are, yeah, there's the computers and the people um, that were operating the computers, and and then the um, um, precinct people would bring in a card and stuff, and this was this room is where I would have been, and um, it was being repainted oh now the bucket itself was unopened so i mean i had a suit on and stuff but <laughs> yeah you came looking like official some, yeah. the, somebody official there's two different there's three different places to go in that building for that day um that was a, the, from 7 p.m till about 11 p.m was the actual tabulation part wow uh, and that's that and watching them open the envelopes um was my task to just to make sure that there wasn't oh here's a big bucket full of that, that, what are all these that. envelopes <laughs> over here that you guys haven't touched um <clears throat> but there's other things i can tell you afterwards you know not on air <laughs> but uh and then uh my the flight home was on wednesday was uh late in the day so i had time and what I ended up at the Jimmy Carter Presidential oh. Library. I was not impressed. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. I, I, I haven't have been my, there. I don't want to be a bunch of negatives here, but um, I was not. Have you been to other presidential libraries yeah. to see them? Mm-hmm. Eisenhower. Uh, well, I haven't been to Eisenhower yet, but um, uh, Truman. Hmm. Uh, um, just one, I guess. Small, not you know, not a lot of details or photos. For, or... for what, Jimmy? Yeah. Well, there were 
it just was disjointed and and you know my memory of some of the events were not like they were being portrayed ah. uh, and some of the exhibits just weren't you know they were replicas you know like the Carter Center got the Nobel Peace Prize after his presidency and they had something looking there but it, they you know, it said right there it was a duplicate. The real a, thing. Yeah, replica. It's like, well, where's the real thing? <laughs> yeah. For crying out loud. Yeah, but it was quite an experience. Oh, interesting. So, what really I I wanted to bring you in to talk about um, in November. The Marshall County Sheriff asked for permission from the County Council to apply for a chirp grant. Um, and the CHIRP grant is basically you're, you're now you're uh, checking for you know, seat belts or drunk driving. Um, and it gives the department extra funding so that they can have officers work overtime um, and, and check to make sure that a lot of these happen over the holiday seasons and different events like Super Bowl, Sunday, and some of those kind of things. Um, and when that came up for a vote the vote was six to one with councilman jesse bohannon voting against it so i actually emailed him and asked him why he voted against it and um his statement was an officer generally can't lawfully stop a vehicle without having a reasonable suspicion also called reasonable cause that the driver or someone in the vehicle has broken the law Reasonable suspicion means an objectively reasonable basis. It must be more than just a hunch. I think checkpoints are a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And so I was like, hmm, well, we got to look into this a little further. So I contacted you and we talked a little bit about it. And I, I thought, you know what? You're the one, you know the law. You're our prosecuting attorney in this county. You know the law, so I want to talk about the Fourth Amendment. And, you know, it, it obviously it protects citizens from unreasonable search and seizure. Um, whether it's in your home, in your business, in your car, you know, your, your personal papers or whatever. But I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, okay, these checkpoints are subjective. I mean, but no. I will tell you that they put out notice ahead of time that says yeah. we are going to be out, you know, Friday night from 11 o'clock to 1, and we're going to be doing these checkpoints. So it's not like it's a surprise. That's one of the things that is required. I know of that. but Right. There's, In fact, there's six, six uh, points. Um <clears throat> First of all, it's it's just as a te technical matter. It's not we're not really dealing with the Fourth Amendment as we are with the uh, the Article One, Section Eleven of the Indiana Constitution. Oh. Now, remarkably, not remarkably, but it was planned. But those the Fourth Amendment and Article One, Section Eleven are word for word identical. Ah. And the part we're dealing with here says, just like you touched upon, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search or seizure shall not be violated. 
Mm-hmm. Now, uh, checkpoints, We for, for one thing, I don't think uh, Marshall County's had one for a couple of years, but um, when they did, uh, and if the sheriff is going to try to bring back one or so, there are certain guidelines and and training that has to take place. But one of the th- one of the aspects that you uh, mentioned is that it has to be advertised. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the checkpoints have been litigated previously, and and finally the Indiana Supreme Court. Uh, 20 over 20 years ago put down these guidelines that would be acceptable and not a violation of article 1 section 11 or the fourth amendment one of it is it has to be a neutral plan approved by local officials um, and it must that must be publicized as you point out it has to be an objective location and timing it has to have a direct relation under that under that guideline. It has to have a direct relation to catching, um, revealing impaired drivers. The 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 site and the time um, should also be objectively tied to the traffic pattern of where you'd expect to find violations. And it's not all about impaired drivers. It's about safe drivers. It's about uh, licensed drivers. It's about uh, registered properly registered vehicles and insured vehicles so <clears throat> police discretion on what vehicles go through the checkpoint can, it has to be minimal um, I've been there to these checkpoints where they decided to do <clears throat> and this is all way ahead of time they sure decided to out. do every third car would, okay. be, would be pulled in here it uh, doesn't matter you know what kind of a vehicle it is we're gonna two we're gonna go through and then we're gonna pull the next one over two we're going to go through and then we're gonna pull the next one over. even if it was a semi okay they would they would do the semi now the semi may stay on the street because and the, the checkpoint that i observed was on uh, um oak okay in front of tcu sure. they use tcu parking oh, lot to, to make to, it to easier pull, to, to yeah. pull in but the semis wouldn't pull in okay um <clears throat> So, for, and, and for example, uh, you know, if there's a, a, a vehicle with a, a loud muffler and yet it was the second vehicle uh, and you change. Know, be, you know, wild teenagers in there or something, the, the officer couldn't say, you, you know, go here. Right. If that won the third vehicle, that vehicle went on. Another th- uh, point is that the degree of intrusion must be minimized such that the time of detaining a driver to inquire of, of the driver's license and the uh, registration must be minimized. Five minutes is way too long. Really? That quit? Like, Yo, in it'd be, it, Yeah, it would be, it would be, may I see your driver's license, uh, registration, and insurance papers. And if they didn't detect odor, you're uh, on your way. Uh, and if, if, the, as long and as you got papers. your seatbelt on? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Um, there's also um, the uh, signs, signage saying here's the, the pull-off, mm-hmm. but also a, a point where a, if, a, if a driver saw this uh, you know, checkpoint coming up, there was a place for that driver to, to avoid it. Really? See, now, to me, then, that's like suspicion. Well, if they... <laughs> if they uh, slam on the brakes to make that turn or do a wide turn or do, do any do kind an of dri- illegal, su- su- suspicious yeah. driving behavior or impaired driving behavior, uh, an officer would be entitled to 
at least inquire, pull okay. the vehicle over, inquire um, well, if there's a problem. Uh, it has to be well lit and min- minimal intrusion of the overall traffic flow. So as long as those conditions are met. There is no violation. There's no violation. No violation. Um, and f- it's unfortunate that it, uh, uh, someone in a position like that, a county council, that would make a decision based on um, not really the law. You know, it, sure, it, you know, we can talk about these things. Um, but his position that it's a complete violation of the Fourth Amendment is, is an outlier position, and I can tell you unequivocally they're in the court in the land that would adopt that position and for him to, to uh, make county council decisions based on erroneous okay. information is disappointing it's a it gets down to two degree micromanaging that so you know we, we're talking about here the fourth amendment and, and obviously checkpoints but the, the same thing could happen um, at Blueberry Festival or here in downtown Plymouth. You're walking down the street, you and a friend or whatever, uh, and the police officer just not, not have the right just to walk up to you and say, hey, I need to see your ID and I need to see what's in your purse. We'll say it's me and I need to see what's in your purse. They had to have some kind of reasonable suspicion to, to, to that, make the inquiry that they've seen just the inquiry and then and and if nothing is produced from that you're on your way so if an officer if i'm just minding my own business me and my girlfriend walking down the sidewalk somewhere and an officer stops us which i i'm like you know i'm the freak out person so i would be like uh, what can I do for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, you want? Oh, here, here, here's my driver's license. Here, here's my purse. Open. I mean, like when we go into uh, stadiums or whatever, or you know, mm-hmm. even, my, here's my purse. Go ahead if you want to look in my purse. You're welcome to look in my purse. Uh, you know, I'm not like worried because I know I don't have anything sure. in there that I'm trying to hide from anybody. Um, but they can't just out of the blue. No. Stop you and start no. questioning you. It, it, he uh, he quoted you a phrase of reasonable cause. I, I'm not I'm not familiar with such a thing. There's probable cause, which is a higher degree than reasonable suspicion. suspicion. Yeah. So these no li- no you know another example we could do examples all yes. day long for days and days. But another example would be. Uh, a shopkeeper said um, two two women, uh, one with a black coat, you know, you, you know, fits oh, you okay. to the T. Sure, they were just in here and just ransacked my place. They could, based on that, they could ask you. Were you in that store? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but but and but if just I just said- out of the blue, just say hey. And you and you know that that doesn't happen here. Uh, no, and that I think that's I guess that's the biggest thing is, um, I feel in our county that all of our officers yeah. know the law and they don't push the limit of the law. I I think in, that's why you know a lot of my stories I I say is alleged to have done this or whatever, and we always put the little 
phrase at the bottom that says they're innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Um, but I would say 99% of the time, the these arrests and these charges all go through yeah. to something else. I mean, because we have officers that know the law and know how to... And, and- and we have public defenders that will litigate the issue. Hey, you you had no reason to pull them over. And through the years, there have been cases that have not proceeded because they didn't have a good reason to pull but, a person but over. But reasons, when we talk about a good reason, I mean, not having lights, your headlights on at dusk. And you're dry. now. It may be still dusky out, but everybody seems to have their headlights on. But this one car, you know, and it's like that's a reasonable cause to stop uh, to be able to suspicion or. There's a suspicion that there's a, a, a degree of impairment by not paying attention that be, or being sensitive. And, that, and hey, I will tell. I have done dark that. Out I, here. I've done that before. I have too. I've, I've actually even driven with my bright lights on, and then somebody flicks them to me, and I'm like, oh. I have to, and I I've been stopped because, like, hey, your lights. <laughs> but so it can be simple things like that. Or something that we, none of us get out and ever check is the lights on your license plate. Your license plate is to be illuminated. And if the light goes out, I mean, you know, how many neighbors go and say, oh, hey, I just wanted to let you know the lights are out. You know, occasionally you might stop and tell somebody, hey, your turn signal's not working. Or something like that, or your. We never, lights. and you don't hear about those, you know. Right. Getting pulled over and say, "Hey, that that bulb is burned down." We um, prosecutors, when we get a, a a file that starts out with a, a quivering license plate light, you know, we're, our our radar goes up and say, "Why why are you doing this?" And then, yeah, like what? Why not just say lights burned out? Get it fixed and let me know that you got it fixed or whatever. But a lot of times or sometimes those turn into like, oh, walk up to the car. They roll down the window and I can smell the marijuana or I can smell the alcohol coming out of this vehicle. And it leads to another. Yes. Another charge or whatever. A lot of. um, A lot of discovery of, of violations of the law occur because of traffic stops legitimate traffic mm-hmm. stops and then it goes from there we don't hear of them that the ones that don't really so and, and if, if if there was an aggressive position it can be litigated you can tell the judge and they will they listen they listen and, and if, if the facts aren't there to approve the stop then case over can't bring anything how, in. How how often does it happen? Not not, not rarely. Rarely anymore. Anymore, yeah. Because because they're trained. Yes, um, and sometimes the training comes the hard way in a courtroom. <laughs> After experience. And, and and sometimes it, you know, in the screening process in the prosecutor's office, we say we're not doing this one. Okay. And we move on. How about, you know, we talk, we've talked about your vehicle and we've talked about you walking down the street or that kind of stuff, but how about at your home? Um, and we, we really don't have a lot of that, although we did have a guy who was just, we just read that was arrested this weekend. He kicked in the front door, 800 block of Jackson Street, I think it was. Um, I mean, if an officer comes to my front door 
See, but I'm I'm old school. So if an officer comes to my front door, I'm going to be, like, oh crap, what the you know? Well, I mean, first of all, you know them all. No, I don't. Not anymore. Yeah, you're right. They, they've <laughs> all they've changed so much. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably might know know who I am, but they might not recognize me anymore because I don't I don't chase fire trucks and ambulances and that kind of stuff much anymore either. <laughs> but um, you know, so I, I would go to the door and open the door and say. Hi, what can I do for you? You know, um, they can obtain consent. Uh, there's a warning. Well, I even have it. Oh, look, he carries it in his billfold <laughs> in case he gets somebody comes to his door. He's prepared to here. I'm gonna show you this card. Yeah, leave me alone. Um, <clears throat> there's Miranda on one side and on the other, the other side, um, Pirtle, that's a case, the name of the case is Pirtle. A lot of people don't okay. realize that. Um, and it has to do with searches and it's, and it says you, before you can consent to a search, you must understand your rights. You have the right to require that a search warrant be obtained before any search of your residence, vehicle, or other premises. You have the right to refuse to consent to any such search. You have the right to consult with a lawyer before giving consent to any such search. If you cannot afford a lawyer, one will be appointed, if you wish. Do you understand these rights? There's another uh, sentence that actually has to be, and that is, once the search begins, you can terminate it at any time. This is under the, the uh, guise of a um, consensual search. Okay. Now, if a search warrant, you know, it's like... So... Occasionally, and in fact, somebody just asked me this week about, um, I can't think what where they were at. It was on Michigan Street, though, I'm pretty sure. And police, two state cops and two city cops, I think, had a vehicle pulled over, and they had a whole bunch of totes in this vehicle. And the person was in handcuffs, and they had pulled these totes out of the back of this vehicle. Um, now, they had to have... I mean, once you start pulling stuff out, they don't—they don't always have to have a search warrant to start pulling stuff out. Correct. Once they suspect, so if they walk up to your vehicle and they see a a, a marijuana roach in the ashtray or a roach clip or you know a bong or whatever, yeah. uh, rolling papers, a pipe, something like that—that that gives. Kathy, them... you know an awful lot about marijuana. <laughs> I, I think that's. Uh... That gives them, you know, and the aroma and the and the the, um, the dog the dog sniff. Then that, that gives them the reason to be able to search without a search warrant. Correct. Okay. So but, there are chan are times where they can search without a out getting a warrant. And there's limitations though. If you get them out of the if you get a person out of the car, uh, the area to be searched is going to be within their their reach. Um, We've, we've always, and this is uh, prosecutors before me and, and prosecutors after me, we will always default to a search warrant. You know, once you got everything under control and, and if, if the dr driver needs to go to arrest then, and they want to do further search, like in the trunk. Okay, or, then they then, get a search warrant for yeah, the trunk. Yeah. Okay. And again, if... if if what the officers did was beyond what the law allows, there's an opportunity to tell the judge about it. And Interesting. 
So people have the right to say no and, and to protect themselves sure. from that. Um, what about, and, and I've heard that there is some concern in, in our county. Um, we have these license plate cameras that are up. Uh, we maybe, is there like 10 throughout this county? There's, uh, we, the county has uh, 10 and I, uh, Bremen has one. Okay. And um, now Rust, Rusty will, Rusty will think, he, because he does not like those. I, I'm going to throw you under the bus. What, what do I do not like Well, the license plate camera, I think <laughs> oh, okay. because you didn't understand. These license plate cameras, I think at one point Rusty thought somebody was actually sitting somewhere well, watching. No, it's the not that I don't understand. I don't, I don't think it's right. Okay. Period. End of discussion. I just don't. At all. At all. Be, so you think it's illegal? Well, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> what I, I don't, it, it has to do with... with invasion of invasion privacy? Invasion of privacy. And I don't, you know, it, it's not like I have anything to hide. But at the same time, the opportunity for abuse is what scares me. So I don't know. Well, it's a tool. It's a tool to uh, for law enforcement. It is not a search, and it's not a seizure. Nothing's nothing's being searched. Nothing's being seized. Uh, to to a degree, the, uh, the I mean, there is no constitutional right that says un, unequivocally, "Hey, the uh, right to privacy." It, it's the penumbra of all these rights that um, give certain areas of private life privacy, such as the Fourth Amendment, saying you are, sh you, this sh shall not be violated, that you be secure, unless there's probable cause that something bad's going on. A, a car going down a public highway, is not, it's not being seized, it's not being stopped. Um, there's a, a photo of the license plate taken. The contents the, of, the, of the car, the people behind the wheel, those are not part of the ca camera view. Okay. Um, and it's not designed to do that. Doesn't it? Doesn't do speed. And see, so, so to me, and uh, issue, it's not used to issue tickets of any sort. That's I guess that's the thing for me, um, because of the position I've had as a reporter. Um, I know, like, I can drive by a scene. I can walk on a public sidewalk. And take a picture. I've actually had people call the police on me taking a picture of their property. Where I may be in the street, in my car, taking a picture of their property, and they call the police on me. And it's like, I'm in, it's public. I, you know, you can't. And I will tell you, I have had state police officers who are working a meth site say, don't take any pictures of me. Well... I won't because I want to be your friend and I, you know, want to work with you. Um, but you're out in public and I'm on a public street. I could take your picture if I really wanted to. But because a lot of times those guys are working undercover, you know, I try to work with them. And, and if I'm going to take a picture and it's going to have an officer, a lot of times it'll be the back of them versus a frontal view, their face and that kind of stuff. But so... You know, when you're out in the public's eye, I mean, you have no, no right and, 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 to to say you can't take my picture. 
well, you're standing here on a public street. What do you mean I can't take yeah, your picture? You're, you're absolutely right. And there's a lot of misconception. You go on uh, YouTube, and there's a lot of, like, the Karen clips and the Ken clips saying yes. you have no right. I'm going to call the police. I'm calling 911 because you cannot take my – that goes nowhere. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, it is a tool, and it's a tool for law enforcement for darn near the whole gamut of criminal offenses – you know, homicides, child molest, thefts. Um, you know, just a, a handful of the success stories is, remember, the park department was broken into? And, yes. And, okay, well, that vehicle was found down in Indianapolis with flock cameras chasing, following it down there because other communities have that, that uh, the flock system. And they're all interconnected in that, in that sense that you could put it in there and, and it could trace. So let, let's explain to our listeners how they how this works so let's just specifically talk about the the vehicle that was stolen from the plymouth park department was in a garage they broke into the vehicle the broke into the garage the keys were there they took the vehicle out and left the park department nicely pulled down the garage door so nobody would notice that the vehicle was missing um and and drove so uh, when the guys come to work next morning it's like, oh, where's the truck, you know? And they check with everybody and like, uh, look, somebody broke the window. We've got a problem. So they get that license plate information to the police department. And then the police department can put that into a computer yeah. system. Yes. Uh, the, the specifics, I'm, um, I'm not the guy to ask. The, the, uh, the initiator of this project um, was Detective Sergeant Jonathan Bryant. And uh, you wanted those kind of details, he'd be a good guest. Okay. Um, but uh, he knows the ins and outs. But it, yes, it, there is a. Um, it, it's not really a computer system. It must be, you know, the cloud or because you're, because it's you, nationwide. You, basically, you put this license plate number in there, and if it drives by any camera, it will it will send a notification. I believe to the the input agency and to the agency where that vehicle is located. Like, hey, this we've got a we've got a bing on this vehicle. And and the, and the individual officer, it'll text oh, that officer. Their, yeah, it'll text that this this thing this that particular vehicle is. Um, he's got several uh, success stories. Um, Here's one that's not so yet a success story, but how? But it's not our situation. But how about the murders in Idaho? Right. Um, I've been screaming at the, you know, the the uh, TV saying, you know, <laughs> flock because what they're using now are security cameras of the white Hyundai going by, and even a an officer who during the day had a. Um, you know the chest camera, yeah. Um, and this the white Hyundai is in the neighborhood of the of the murder scene. Well, and then of course the Indiana State Police troopers pulled him over twice in Indiana. Yeah. And you know there was never because but they didn't have the license plate number. I take it for that. 
out there. They knew it was this white Hyundai, but that was all. And I mean, how many of those are across the nation? I mean, you can't go and stop every oh, single one of them. I see your point. Yeah. Um, but but like in our case, if you'd had that license plate number in there, boom, you well, could have. Well, they it. were zeroing in on this guy, so they're they're somewhere along the line. They got the license plate. Number. Which made it, and then they can definitely follow it as yeah. it goes across the country. I mean, they can even go back now and track where it went because these cameras are everywhere. Yes. It's not, they're not something that's brand new and, you know, Marshall County is. Well, when you say everywhere, then obviously not in Idaho, or at least in Moscow, Idaho, yet. Yeah. Because at least, I, I guess I'm being overbroad because nobody's said they're not there or at least they weren't you'd think it would be on the the uh, road that connected those two towns if they had them well that, that would be an interesting thing i mean too far too speculative on a, a public airways to well i mean we just went to louisville kentucky and when went over that bridge you know and there's cameras it tells you i mean there's cameras on this bridge it's going to take a picture of your license plate number and going to send me a bill for driving over the bridge yeah um or uh toll toll roads yeah yeah so i mean they really are everywhere um and the ones in marshall county specifically are looking at the license plate now it does see like you could say you're looking for a a red chevrolet pickup truck yes and it would recognize that part of it but it they're not they're not checking the speed of anybody's vehicle driving no. by there. They're not, they're not high enough that they're looking at, as you go by. They're not getting the driver's picture or anything like that. They're generally doing the back. The back end of those vehicles. I mean, they're, they're, and you can yeah. see when you, if you pay attention around town, you can see them around town. And, I mean, yeah, you're driving by it. It's, it's looking at. As you go by, if anything, it might get a side view of your passenger side, but not on your driver's I've, side. I have not seen anything um, remotely suggesting that anybody's doing facials or anything about the uh, people and uh, passengers in the in the vehicle. It's just the vehicle. It, it would really be no different than just somebody sitting out there, yeah, on a on a on a five gallon bucket. Taking pictures, yeah, saying, taking pictures of the cars going by. Kathy just went by. Jim, <laughs> Jim, I don't know where she's going, but she just went by. <laughs> but they're not, they're not used to um, track just anybody. You you have to have a reason that you're putting this information in to search for this particular vehicle. They've been involved in a bank robbery. Um, Yes, you know they've been they they the whole they have kidnapped a, a child and we're looking for this vehicle that you know exactly a lot of a lot of child kidnaps are are parental type stuff so it makes it a lot easier too to determine that kind of stuff but so really there's no infringement and there's nobody there sitting at a computer somewhere constantly watching that camera mm. on uh east jefferson street right now in marshall county or, or in plymouth watching these cars go by to see if they can no. find somebody that they're looking for they're really uh, digital but again uh, 
Sergeant uh, Bryant would be the guy to talk to about. They're digital photos. They're stills. They're not video. Um, but and they they are getting more refined with like you could say like you said red pickup truck and, and with the back panel right side panel caved in, you know if that's what the description includes and it will note that. Now there is a cost to have those. Twenty five hundred dollars a year per camera. And. Prosecutor's office paid for the first two years. Yes. Is that what it was? So it was twenty-five thousand, and just before I came over here, I saw we got a receipt for the next year. Not a bill, we have a receipt. We paid it. Okay. But um, if there are um, decision makers listening, um, I fully intend to go this budget year for next year to say this is an important tool that needs to be general fund or whatever that is not just zeroed in on the Prosecutor? prosecutors of budget. You have discretionary funds, I do. Nelson. You do. <laughs> you know, th this, this council, I would say this is tongue in cheek, but I'm not sure it is. Um, this council may look at that $25,000 and say, oh, we can do some road work with that. No, we don't want cameras. We want road work instead. Oh, they can't do that. I'm <laughs> serious. This is strictly what the prosecutors, the elected prosecutor says can be used for them, those funds. Do you have the power? I know like a judge can actually mandate a payment of funds. Do you have that power to be able to mandate to them? No. But a judge would be able to mandate uh, There's limitations on pay that. Big limitations on a mandate, and as soon as there is a mandate, it doesn't happen very often. But as soon as there is one, um, there's a process where another judge comes in from a different area and, and looks at what was just ordered. And I've seen and determines whether or not that is essential to the uh, functioning of the of the court. There, there, there are, is considerable litigation about that. I, but I have seen, and it's been several years now, but there for a while, I had seen a number of mandates come through for payments from the courthouse uh, through a judge there. And it's like the council or the commissioners weren't happy about it, but. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's but, been back several years now. I, I'm pretty sure Kevin will remember back. I would think there's things like. If, if it's leaking in the courtroom, that's a mandate. You know, that's, this is goes through the functioning of the Gotta court. Got to get it fixed. Yeah. But this yeah. is such a successful tool. I mean, you can show that these are working yeah, and making a difference that, you know, I would just think that, and, and, and actually I believe it's the commissioners who approve the payments, not the council. So, you know, it, it, it should come through the commissioners that, you know, I'm, I'm asking for $25,000 out of the general fund, which they could put under, commissioners could put in their budget under professional services or something, um, possibly, to pay for that um, each year. But mm -hmm. as long as we can show proof that they are, All the, are and, you know, getting all, results, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I, and th there are all sorts of things like that are on, I think, the cusp of 
realization by decision makers that, hey, we're all in this together. You know, like this 25000 is a drop in the bucket for yes. one thing, but um, all of law enforcement in Marshall County benefits from this. Um, it's not, I mean, the 10 cameras aren't just around Plymouth. Right. They're, they're all over the county. Right. And it's those officers who are investigating crimes that, that make use of it. So, you know, there, there should be an approach that spreads out what we're all benefiting from. And, and since it's, since it is countywide, it would only make sense that the county pay for it with, I mean, you could go to Plymouth and say, well, we've got four yeah. cameras in Plymouth, so you should pay for these four, and Bremen, Bremen is paying for their own well, one, over there. One. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it might be nice to have another one over there. Who knows? But I think there's, they're spread out pretty. They they studied it. Um, Sergeant Bryant and others studied where to locate these things, and I think they did. A, everybody's satisfied with this, where they located them. I, and honestly, I I know where three are locally, um, but. You know, you drive by. I don't pay any attention. I mean, somebody will ask me occasionally, like, what's that black yeah. pole thing there by Family Express? And I'll say, that's one of those license plate cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I just, I don't, I, my, me personally, I don't find that they're an infringement on, on my personal, pro- I'm driving on a public street now. You know, if I'm, if I'm concerned about somebody seeing me or catching me, maybe I shouldn't be driving on a public street and... You know, maybe I should be, you know, going through the back alleys and down the side streets instead uh, to get away. But uh, who knows? You can pick that up. Uh, we have a phone call now. You'll be able to hear him, but he will not be able to hear your answer. So just so you know, I'll have to relay, relay what you say to the caller unless he's listening on the radio. So Uncle Doug. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good this morning. How are you? Good, good, good. Hey, I had a question for Nelson. Okay. Um, I was just kind of wondering if uh, there's been any talk, like uh, in some of the larger cities, uh, they have their, their some of their cameras set up on, on uh, intersections, and if you're in that intersection, you know, like after that light turns red, you get a ticket in the mail. And I would be all in favor of some kind of a camera system out here, like at Oak Road and over by the pilot truck stop that, uh, you know, for these, these people that run these red lights out here, uh, just to, okay, you get a $500 ticket in the mail, you know? <laughs> okay, so I Doug. I just wonder if there's any talk in that direction, you know? Doug, I'm going to ask you to hang up and listen on your phone so that you can hear okay. Nelson respond to that, Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Thank all right. You. Thanks for the call. There, I know of no discussion about that going on. That's not the same kind of camera. I okay. Think, I think Doug knows that. Um, those are intersection cameras. Um, <laughs> we just, don't have any of those right now. Yeah, we don't have, and I know of no discussion. And but you are but, correct. Those intersections are deadly. We already know that they're deadly. Yeah, and I. I I mean, of course, I don't know that that is a state highway, too. So I don't know that the county. U.S., actually. Yeah, I don't know that the county could even say we're going to put a camera up on there. I I think it would have to go through the state police um, wanting to look at that. But 
or our state legislators uh, contacting them and saying, you know, this is a deadly intersection. We have, I mean, if anybody who has sat at uh, I mean, the cameras Bob aren't going to stop the deadliness because it, because true. The, the ticket would be issued because they violate. Yeah. And, um, but if word got out that hey they they're issuing tickets left and right and uh, and you better slow down and word does get out amongst truckers and but vehicle you know drivers ordinary drivers may not know that well and believe it or not GPS a, brings a, up a lot of the times it's the cross traffic that is it look at ten it's yeah. the cross traffic that is the issue. It's not the traffic on 31. Um, you know, those people are driving along, minding their own business, and typically it's a local who has got something else on their, you know, their mind, and they're not thinking, and they pull out in front of a vehicle that's got the right of way. Have you ever have you ever been in a big city? Uh, this happened in in Georgia. Um, doing the GPS map on, on my phone. Yes. And it warned it warned me that hey, there, there's a camera coming. Oh, really? For the intersection. Hmm. No, I ha I haven't been. I haven't had that part of yeah. it. Amazing. What interesting. <laughs> oh, that that's so good for criminals too. Oh, there's a camera. I better turn here before I get to that intersection. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one thing you know where we had these cameras located in Marshall County, um, you know, they've they've looked at traffic patterns and determined, you know, main thoroughfares where a lot of traffic goes. Obviously they're not on the side streets. They're you know, they're they're where you're collecting lots of traffic on a, a regular basis. Yeah. Um and, and you know, somebody who's in a vehicular chase, um, you know, a squad car, it, they're not going to typically they're not going to be going into the residential areas they're on the main drags trying to get away from the officers so their vehicle may show up on that on that license plate camera yeah. if they've been able to even call it in um but it can also be after the fact so you know like you a, you you know who the license plate is now, now you got the information about license right. plate has this a plate shown up anywhere on, on these 10 cameras yeah interesting and if you know if they're showing up on this camera and this camera you got an idea which, which what way direction they're going. they're going yeah and that's kind of how they found this pickup truck uh from the park department yeah because they actually storage unit theft there's a uh, car dealership theft um well didn't we use it for a uh for the little girl who was murdered, that you were able to track yeah. um, his, his vehicle in... Mishawaka? Yeah. So... I think it was pre-ours. Yeah, I think they were before we actually had ours, yeah. but you Mishawaka were able to, yeah. to tr track his vehicle license plate in there, so... Yeah, and then he went close to the river or something that... Yeah, so... In, in Mishawaka. I, I mean, they're... Is, as long as we can show that they're being successful, I think they're a great opportunity and they're a great tool for a law enforcement to be able to save someone, protect someone, and and arrest somebody who's bad. We can't be timid about that. And and if 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 there's some abuse, um, I don't know about it, but it can be responded to. 
So, Nelson, that those were the three things that I had on my agenda. Did you have anything else uh, on your agenda that you wanted to chat about before we let you go? Um, not overly so. I, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that we did talk about, hey, what do you want to talk about? And uh -huh. At least I can think about some of these things. Um, I've said it before, though that I'm going to be leaving yes. the prosecutor's I, office. I was just going to bring that up. In 14 months. Sometime in the spring, but sometime around my 70th birthday, which is um, the spring, um, March of 2024. Not this, you know, not... You got another whole year. Yeah. And um, I do not know no, what I'm going to be doing. It's just I'm not going to be prosecuting. And... But I'm going to be doing something. I'm I am not at all at ease or happy, or I'm very uh, I'm very uncomfortable with things that are happening on the national level, um, and I may get involved with candidates at that level or something. I I do not know. That was not one of the reasons. Not being a candidate was, on the national level, no, yeah. but working for candidates on yes. the national level. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I went to Georgia was okay. to, to let them know that, hey, I'm out here. I got a lot of experience, at least in a... A lot of knowledge. A, um, in a beautiful community, and there's stuff to share. Um, I, I don't have that much time left, you know, to do that, like we all. But <laughs> um, what I do, I'm going to offer it up, but... So you're going to leave midterm, so that means, will it be a caucus? That will a caucus for, yes, to fill the prosecutor's office okay. would be a Republican caucus. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it would come through the judges or through the governor or anything like that. It would no. just be a regular caucus, and that person will continue and fill out your term and then run for election if they yeah. want in the, in the next term. Yes, because prosecutors are all... All, all 91 of us are on the same cycle. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So we could have so, a, a... So right now, there's a lot of changes in Indiana. Uh, like a third of them are brand spanking new. Hmm. I, I, I just was wondering, because we heard uh, Dave Bacon say Monday night at the city council meeting that our police department is considered an older department because we have so many officers that are beginning to reach that retirement milestone. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going to say, do we see that in the prosecutors too, that we we have a lot of prosecutors that are reaching those years where they want to move out, or I is it a nice mix? I, well, uh, um I don't know. I don't know. I, I have not looked at it that way uh, because you could be leaving involuntarily. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you didn't and get there are several are. There are really? several. Oh, yeah. There are several that are, were defeated in, in re-election bids. Um, hmm. And it wears on you. It's, it can be a young man, young woman's, you know, it's, there's pressure and it wears <laughs> on you. There is pressure. And if you do it right, um, that is one thing that I will say that I have been at a number of s locations where there have been incidences and I'm standing there taking pictures and, oh, look, there's the prosecutor. He's on the scene 
at the time shortly after the incident happens just to get his own eyes on the scene to see what it is. So I have seen you um, at site. So, I mean, as as I am not ambulance chasing anymore, (laughs) you know, uh, you're not probably as inclined to get up at 2.30 2.30 in the morning and run, go look at it some And scene. there's deputies that take those calls. <laughs> I may have to take the call, but they, I, I, sometimes I guess I intimidate. I don't know. <laughs> you intimidate? I know. I don't get it. I don't <laughs> yeah. Get it. Well, I want to thank you for coming and spending time with us uh, this morning it. and talking it. about the Fourth Amendment, talking about the license plate, and giving us a little bit of insight into your experience in georgia down there for that uh so let's have a couple other visits in the next 14 months sure would love to and then and then whoever maybe we can kind of make that something for the next person to look forward to we'd love that very good thanks nelson for spending time with us thank you all right break yes sir let's break Looking for bigger internet speeds at a better value? Surf Fiber has Plymouth covered. Go big with Surf and you'll get reliable, fiber-fast internet up to 25 times faster than cable. With Surf, there are no contracts or hidden fees, and you get a low, locked-in price that will never go up. Want to speed things up even more? Go gig and get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers. It's the best deal of the year. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739. Or visit us online at apexwaste.net. The Co-Alliance commitment to deliver on the best propane service available is unwavering. Their established local quality service is unmatched. Co-Alliance is owned by local farmers, and they deliver on the principles of hard work, dependability, and trust. It's not by chance that they've been around for nearly 100 years. It's because of their commitment to the customer. Earn 500 free gallons now when you join the others that have made the change to Co-Alliance Propane. Call 317-324-4457 or visit coalliance.com to learn more. Marshall County Fiber is a partnership between Marshall County REMC and Rochester Telephone Company. Fiber is the fastest internet around. New technology is developed each day to digitize much of our daily routine. But over time, adding devices to your home network leads to slower connections. With Gigabyte Internet, you'll be ready for anything. Visit MarshallFiber.com to see if Marshall County Fiber is available in your neighborhood. tuned in to What's Your Opinion on WTCA in Plymouth. 
Be part of the conversation by calling 574-936-4096 or text the show at 574-307-6647. And now here's Kathy and Rusty. It's Wednesday. It's a little out of my vocal range, but it is Wednesday. And uh, let's take a look at the important part of the show. And that is birthdays. Only got one, and it's actually belated. Wayne Smith. Yesterday, Wayne, happy birthday to you. You're in the birthday hat. You're eligible for our wonderful prize of four cupcakes from Mud Dessert Cafe, free small drink from Coffee Lodge, and a bouquet of flowers from Cash and Creek. So make sure you get your birthdays in here so we can have our drawing on Friday, and you'll be part of it. No anniversaries today, so get them in here. If you uh, get to the end of the month and your anniversary is in here for this month, you are eligible for 50 bucks from Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home. That is our anniversary prize. Very easy to obtain it. It's time for the trading post. You guys will trade giveaway. Four items, four days, four free zones. Right? Business bring those items, and we have a 2005 wheel, three slide outs, new tires, winterized, carriage, carrier light, 35 foot. Now, they will tell you it does leak over the skylight, so that might be something you have to address if you want this vehicle. It looks really good. They sent a picture, so 574-806-3336. Ask for Jim. Not our Jim, another Jim. Five. Se- Everybody's named Jim in this town. I, I don't get it. 574-806-3336. That is the trading post for today. And uh, real quickly. Uh, Plymouth Elks Lodge, Friday night specials, fish, all you can eat, sirloin tips over noodles, ooh, that looks good, uh, shrimp and fish, and also a New York strip steak that includes salad, uh, salad bar, potato, dessert, served from 5 to 8, if you want carry out, call 935-5511, and tomorrow is museum day, so make sure you tune in, um, the Marshall County Museum will be in to uh, share their information with us. So make sure you tune in. That starts at 9. Have yourselves a great day.